welcome to a new episode of the interview series. This time, my guest was Jack Gurley, a songwriter and producer. As an artist, he has been signed to Warner Music and Sony ATV Publishing and has written with artists such as James Arthur, Jess Glynn, Jack Garrett and Tom O'Dell. In 2016, Jack co-founded Ferocious Production, a service dedicated to offering independent artists a fair and reliable route to achieving release-ready recordings. In 2020, Jack also became the UK A&R for Sheffield Publishing, the publishing arm of major dance label Contour Records, whose roster includes Tiesto. Jack is responsible for signing new songwriting talent for artist co-writes, sync and vocal feature opportunities. Jack told me all about his music journey, from the early days of getting signed with his band to his more recent career as a producer and publishing A&R. He also shared his top tips for up-and-coming producers looking to start their careers. Thank you for listening. As always, if you like what you're hearing, subscribe to not miss any new episode. How are you? Where are you? I'm good, thank you. I kind of got out of London for the lockdown and bought some sort of bare essential studio bits. Um, so I'm just outside Tunbridge Wells, where I've been living um, for the last few weeks uh, with my girlfriend and her family. And uh, yeah, I found this lovely, in Lent, this lovely loft space where I've been working from remotely for the past six weeks, I think. It's amazing. It's sort of like if Shakespeare had a studio, maybe. <laughs> sort of old school. When I say old school, I mean sort of 1650s kind of feel to it. Just bought everything I need. So yeah, it's been great. Suppose you're, um, you're busy at the moment, like you're still working and... Yeah, absolutely. I think I've completed two or three productions now with artists who I've never actually met um, in the flesh, which is quite interesting. Um, it's sort of something I thought about over the years. Was it workable? Would it be good? Um, I've never really been pushed to do it. And um, it's, been, it's been really good. I wouldn't say it's better or worse. I think it's different. I think in some ways it's really advantageous. I think that... So I've been using kind of a combination of, so I use um, from Zoom, I use like share screen so they can sit and just see my actual logic screen. Um, I then use a thing called audio movers so they can hear uh, exactly the same audio that's coming out of my logic session. Um, and that's really the biggest problem. It's all very well kind of chatting over ideas, but if you try and press play in the room and it sounds terrible, it's just not workable. And then kind of used FaceTime or even just used a phone call to kind of chat through ideas. Yeah. A huge amount of artists these days have, you know, an interface and a mic, bits at yep. home. Maybe they've been recording vocals. I've kind of given a bit of guidance and talked through, kind of coached people a bit from afar, but otherwise left them to it. And then, yeah, it just kind of worked in a slightly more piecemeal approach, just doing a few hours at a time. But yeah, it's been amazing. I think it's, it's yeah, it's really creative in some senses. It kind of allows me to go at the speed that I want to go at a bit more and it gives them space to listen and contribute when they're ready and also a lot more autonomy to record their own vocals. There are pros to it, definitely. So I'll be asking you a few questions today. Um, 
basically, I kind of want to know more about you, your career path, your sort of background and how you got to do all the things that you're involved with at the moment, yeah. uh, which is a few, which is quite yeah. exciting. So how did you start in the business? This is the sort of question that I ask everyone, but I think it's just uh, interesting to know which sort of background you're coming from. I was in covers bands when I was at school learned to play the guitar and went and played at weddings and did pubs and that kind of thing, which I think is quite a classic one in many ways. And then kind of got into some originals bands and played with mates and always sort of took it seriously, but I wasn't really sure exactly. I didn't really sing. I didn't really write any songs at that point. So I wasn't really sure how that would look like a career. So I think I thought I would do um, maybe something a bit more traditional initially. Um, so I went off to university and did history. Um, and then while I was at uni, I met a, a girl called Sophie Rose, who was a who was a singer, who was a solo artist at the time. She was really quite kind of connected in the industry and had a really good voice. Uh, we started writing together and then we started a band together. And that was really by the third year of my university. We had a lawyer who was advising us at the time. And he told us his advice was to get three finished songs and three photos together and then come back to him. So we did that and we took a time, probably spent a year doing that. And the tracks we put together were really good. I sort of think in hindsight, probably co-produced them with a producer who was a friend. I wrote them with her. And then we also had a band with us as well. And then from there, things went really, really quickly. We met a manager. He got us signed to Warner Records and then we signed Sony Publishing. I think, oh, sorry, the way around, actually, we signed Sony Publishing and then to Warner within the space of six weeks, I think, of meeting our manager, something like that, maybe two months. Um, and that was all pretty much as I was finishing uni. So, yeah, kind of was in bands, was messing around doing that, and then started this band, and then very quickly was kind of thrust into doing it full-time. And before I'd finished uni... We were signed and doing that band. That was then the next three years, I think. Did loads of co-writes and worked with lots of producers and toured a lot. And it was kind of, it was good and bad and ugly and difficult and an amazing learning curve as well. And it was really in that period, met lots of other producers, met lots of writers and kind of saw all that side of it. Initially, was very reluctant to us working with any other writers. I felt like that was something we did internally and really fought the label. Sort of said, you know, we're a proper act and we don't write with work with writers and we don't work with producers we do it ourselves and then ended up kind of giving in and then a lot of people we met are still really good friends and then ended up doing that side myself so it was kind of a full 360 really so yeah so i was in a yeah i was in the originals band um and we we're managed by a guy called kwame quarton who's still my manager today so that's sort of 10 years on so i signed to warner for a while i think after a while, it became apparent that there wasn't really the enthusiasm there for them to really put the time and money in that we needed. I think we slightly fell between the cracks to some extent after a while. Um, it's a lot more difficult being inside a major label than I'd anticipated, to be honest. I think... How come? I think you have a short window after you sign to really, really make things happen. We signed the same... just about the same week that... Bastille signed. They signed to one part of Warner and we signed to the other. And I think there was a lot of buzz about what we were doing at the time. I think I look back and see that they signed with, I think, a finished a finished album, a handful of singles ready to go. They released a couple quite quickly after they signed. They did really well. And I think, yeah, the label did an amazing job for them, kind of resources-wise and really building their project. I think we designed under more of a sort of un 
development umbrella. We'd never really played a gig. We were quite new. And uh, I think sort of trying to do that development part, work out who you are, work out who the main songwriters are, right. work out what everyone's doing within the band, sort of within a major label deal, having taken on a lot of money and whilst watching the sort of money go down, as it were, I think is uh, actually quite a difficult thing to do. I think they've taken on less and less of those deals in the sort of now. I think they really now wait and see what, yeah, wait for acts to pop off before kind of jumping in. Do you mean, sorry, do you mean the wait to for an act to have a sort of like more finished project, if that makes sense, more defined? I think the finished product and actually be released and be... Right. In- doing well so don't uh, risk it like um with a band that still needs to release stuff i think less so i think sometimes they do it really well i think um it appears to me that major labels have always been really really good at taking something that's doing well and making it massive mm-hmm. i think for me there's you know they still really really have a place at taking for example taking an act into other markets is something that an act it's very difficult to do by yourself definitely uh, yeah if you're the 1975 and you're big in the UK and you want to launch in China or you want to launch in America well a major label is the perfect vehicle to help you do that I think if you're a bunch of mates still kind of finding your feet and you're all young and you know uh, sort of in the forming stage then I think having yeah some sort of number crunching marketing specialists in the mix actually is a can be a little bit tricky so I think Yeah, I don't have anything against that system at all. I just think it's probably more effective to market something existing than it is maybe to incubate something. That's certainly been my experience anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, and then from there, the band I was in eventually left Warner and then we signed to a label, like an independent label um, in Hanover, which is sort of like northern Germany. I actually moved to Berlin for the best part of a year and made our debut album out there uh, with a producer in Berlin. By that point... I think we've probably written a hundred and something songs and had done a number of EPs and had toured a lot and we're actually we're actually good by that point. Actually knew what we were doing. And we did that album, uh, which came out really well, and then I moved back to London and at that point decided I really wanted to focus on writing and production, which I kind of already been doing the whole time anyway to some extent when we were in berlin i did some sessions with did some work with james arthur with another producer um i'd also done a track with a girl called caitlin scarlett at that point and she got on to get signed to bmg publishing and it just seemed like there was uh, some real sort of momentum in what i was doing in the studio i think a lot of people thought i was a bit mad having just finished this album having kind of got to that point to then decide I didn't want to do it anymore. I think my take on it was actually that whole five, the whole time in the band we'd spent writing and producing predominantly. That's what those early stages are. There's lots of writing sessions, lots of production. And we were then at the point where we needed to kind of go out, tour the album and really try and move it forward. I think I felt like actually me staying in the studio and working with writers and doing production was more of a continuation of what I'd done for the previous five years rather than giving that up and then doing lots of touring and yeah so my manager Kwame by this point he was a partner at ATC he then went solo and started a company called Ferocious Talent I asked him if I could start Ferocious Production which was which was the production sort of arm of his management agency and that put a particular focus on working with independent artists working with new artists which was something I was sort of just it was a 
came a bit from both ways. He had a lot of developing artists that Kwame knew through, uh, he does a seminar every year, like an education seminar. Uh, he also does management consultancy, so a lot of artists in his world and around him who, yeah, needed help slash needed production work. So I got quite into that side of things. And I also continued to work with some other artists who were friends, some of whom were signed, and then I've sort of stayed a little bit in both camps really i think my initial idea was i would sort of write with some major label artists who had a higher profile and then i would do more of a 360 maybe like write produce and mix for artists mm -hmm. who were just kind of cutting i think what i've seen over the years is that people don't necessarily stay in those camps particularly well though um it's not easy that anymore separate it out that well mm -hmm. some people who you were working with because they were signed maybe doesn't work or they change direction or they get dropped and some people who you start writing with who are sort of independent and just starting actually go on to do really really well um so i think yeah i offer the same sort of thing really to whoever comes through the door now which is just to try and collaborate and do something which they're going to really like and i try and offer a bit of what I think we got as a band when we went to some of the producers who were much further up the food chain in a way. In my experience, there were a lot in the middle who were trying to kind of really get somewhere themselves and were quite career hungry. And then there was this other sort of strain who just, yeah, just basically wanted to make sure that you were kind of happy with it as an artist and did it in a slightly more, yeah, slightly more relaxed and moral way i think mm -hmm. i've tried to do tried to do that to the sort of best of my ability and then yeah that's i wish i could remember what the question was i think it was how did you get into it yeah no it's fine <laughs> it was a very comprehensive answer i think you touched on a point that's really interesting to me which is the sort of like fear i guess we could call it of some artists who write to sort of like go to someone to co-write or to get a track or an album or an EP or just ideas together, basically an input from someone who's not in the band. Kind of want to know what you think about it. Like, how do you overcome this sort of like fear? How, how should you feel about it? Like, I guess I'm not an artist myself, but I'm guessing, of course, if you write something that's your own and such a personal thing, it can be scary to like put in someone else's hands or just trust someone to do it on your behalf. Absolutely. I think, and I mean, I get this a lot. I think battle's strong, but it's something I come up with, I come up against with artists all of the time. I think, firstly, that Instagram's really changed it. I think that when I started 10 years ago, the co-writers and producers were very much, there was Adele's face on the front cover and everyone else who was involved, it was almost like they were kept really, really behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. A lot of their managers didn't really have websites. They, it was almost like the more successful you were, the more secret you were, because the more busy you were, so why would you need a website? You yeah. were a magical fairy who lived in a studio somewhere in a basement in Islington and no one really knew where you were or yeah. what you were doing and every now and again a record came out with your name on it and it was amazing I think the fans now see that if they, they see that Anne-Marie and Dua Lipa are constantly in a session in the studio this producer that producer and particularly for the young artists they see that all the time I think it's made that side of things far more visible than it was and much more celebrated as well obviously now on this you know a lot, a lot of time on Spotify there's the names of the other producers yep. involved and it's just increased the visibility of that side of it which I think has helped I think a lot of solo artists now for example probably expect that they will work with with other people um, whereas I think years ago that was probably something that they I don't know but at the same time I'm sure if you'd said to someone do you think so Adele wrote the songs yeah I think she wrote the songs did she play the drums I I assume they'd be like, 
probably not. I didn't really think about it that much. Whereas I think now we're all quite aware that it's being done much more collaboratively. I also just always say to the artists, there's not, it's not as if, like, it's not as if you're having to work with me because you're new and you're not very good. And at some point you'll grow out of that. Right. It doesn't work like that. Like, Mark Ronson is a Grammy-winning producer who's perfectly capable of making records by himself yeah and yet he still chooses to work with other producers almost all of the time if you look on you know the credits on whatever it is uptown funk i think jeff bask is on there because he knows that he's really good and he knows that he will help him make it better i think um mark ronson is a great example because he's very candid about it he's so passionate about music he's like a, a fan in in the body of a huge producer mm. um i don't know if you watched the documentary uh, i forgot what it's called it's on bbc iplayer anyway yes, it's brilliant because he's so passionate about the smallest things about what he does what other people do is he's got like massive attention to detail you can tell that it, the mm. the reason behind him like going to someone else and ask for their help is because he's really really you know he loves what they're doing so i think this is a really good point Absolutely, absolutely. He recognizes that other people, you know, can bring can bring something to it. So I think, yeah, there's two there's two I think as an artist there's two mindsets to that. One is that this person is going to sort of take away my thing and I must protect it. And I think the other, which is the which you see with the much more experienced artists, is this kind of I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna basically almost like take from this what I can in a really yeah. positive way. Like, Learn and get inspired yeah, basically. Like, who are you? What do you know? How, what can I, you know, what can I grab from this? And people often say like, oh, but doesn't it dilute it? I mean, if I imagine like Madonna walking into a co-write or I imagine Lady Gaga walking into a co-write, I can't imagine that they're exactly like, oh, I'm this shrinking violet in the corner and someone else to tell me what to do. Like, no. Oh, it. <laughs> like, play this, do it like this. That's wicked. Wasn't sure about that. Yeah. Like, that's, I think, the place that everyone's, in my eyes, sort of aspiring to get to, where, you know, you as the artist, same with Bruno Mars, you know, I don't think he walks into a co-writing session and is sort no, of, like, no, no, of course. shy in the corner. No. Um, he'll be like, just, that was it, you keep doing that, you do this. He'll just, like, kind of just boss it, because he knows what his brand is and knows what yeah. he's doing Yeah, and again, I mean, yeah. another great example, Lady Gaga and Mark Ronson together. Again, if you watch yeah, Lady Gaga's documentary, you see the dynamic there. You know, of course, there's a relationship, you know, they're friends. But other than that, they, ha they have very strong personalities, but they know how to coexist and make it work. So, absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And he's the only person in that whole documentary, I think. And I really like it. I think she comes across really well. But she has all these yes people around her. And, you know, she kind of makes these demands and has all these mood swings. But yeah. there's one point where the they're trying to get the album mastered and he snaps, she snaps at him about something. Um, and he's like, don't speak to me like that. He's like, I've been here all night working on this. Like, how dare you? Mm -hmm. It's like the only time when someone actually, it's like such an essential relationship, I think, to have a, a sort of collaborator behind the scenes who's actually on an even playing field with the artist. You really feel that him and her are kind of equals. She's not like the star and he's this kind of helper, but they're actually, there's just like real mutual respect. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the only person in that whole documentary she seems to really have that with and it's yeah. like valuable and needed. True. I did really enjoy it and I, I did really like the their relationship. It really uh, stuck with me. Yeah, definitely. Going back to your past, when was the time, if there was one, that you sort of like thought, you know, I sort of made it, you know, I'm doing what I want. This is what I do for a living. 
I'm happy. That's it. I don't know really. I think to some extent I did things a bit in reverse. I sort of, you know, quite soon after I started, we got this big record deal and got loads of money and sort of had the trappings of what looked like having made it. I was doing it full time and had quite a bit of money and we worked with lots of successful people. And I went to the Abbey Road Christmas party and, you know, hung out with whoever was there. I think that sort of should have been that, but the fact that it wasn't sustainable and the fact that it didn't stick, it kind of made it, in hindsight, feel like, didn't feel as earned in a way. It felt like all the, you know, stars aligned, things came together. But I think it was probably, I don't, I think three or so, three or four years ago, I sort of switched and said, I'm going to do this writing production thing and do it full time and kind of made that decision almost like one January without a huge amount of idea as to how that was, I didn't really think about how I was going to pay for anything or how it was going to work. I just decided that's what I was going to do. It was a little bit mad in hindsight, but I just sort of thought, yeah, well, this is, that'll just be that then. And I think kind of from that point onwards, I've tried to just view it that I'm doing it rather than trying to do it, rather than working towards doing it, which has been quite a good shift, really. And now, yeah, now I just do it. I don't really think about sort of trying to make it per se. And I don't really perceive that I've sort of made it either, but I'm doing it. Um, so I think depends how you define it. I'm 31 now, so I've kind of been... 10 years of like predominantly sludgy, struggly, kind of just doing sessions and just chipping away. There hasn't been a huge number of kind of, you know, explosive moments at all. I think if there's anything like that, it only really appears retrospectively, really. You know, day to day, it's much more about, yeah, what, what session am I doing, what needs doing, and just being busy in the process of running a small business and making sure that everyone's happy and making sure that... Yeah that need to get sent to master have been sent to master and that there's you know work in two weeks time and that yeah. you know it's just kind of busy with the process of doing it really which is yeah which is really nice which is really good and there's a lot of a lot of freedom that comes with that but there's also a lot of yeah there's a lot else there's a lot more there's a lot more to it than obviously the sitting in front of logic and doing the actual kind of creative bit although i would say that the role i've chosen is actually the most i would say probably is the most creative one maybe even more so than being an artist really i think doing the kind of writing production is sort of 90 percent create 10 percent lunch i think the artist bit i realized after a while has elements of create but it also has elements of photo shoot video shoot travel i see what you mean all right lot else to it and I think for me I realized after a while I wasn't you know that bit was cool and I know some people really enjoyed it but I actually just wanted to do the create bit and I was fine to kind of not be famous and focus on that um and let you know let someone else do that but again that's as a sort of non-singer maybe if I had a you know if I could sing like Lady Gaga I'm sure I'd see it really differently (laughs) (laughs) yeah me too So yeah, with um, Ferocious Production, of course you work with uh, a lot of emergent um, artists. So you've worked with uh, a few alumni from ICMP as well, but I kind of wanted to know what do you look for in an artist? Like how do you decide when, you know, that artist, that band is someone that you really want to work with? The artists ask me this quite a lot and I think they're often wanting me to say that I think they're really, really brilliant. And I never really say that. I actually think that the main one is just do I do I get on with them? I think that's mostly it. I think the first thing I always ask myself if we go for a coffee or there comes to the studio, I just think do I get on with this person? Can we spend three days hanging out yeah. in a room together? Um, yeah. And to be honest, that actually is almost a long and short of it. That is almost it. You know, if they're really new and they're really inexperienced or they're stylistically really different, 
or they struggle with their singing or they struggle with their confidence. I think those are all things which are within your remit as producer that you're you can solve you can work on basically yeah if it's not your genre then you just have a listen to their references and if they struggle yep. and you can go through the song with them and teach it to them if the songs aren't very good you can improve the songs and kind of put more input in the, the, all the creative stuff can kind of be worked through and i think if you want to do the bit that i do i think if you want to kind of write and produce you really should be able to kind of do the whole process yourself if well i think it's really useful to be able to so, for example, I think you know I, I could I could now sort of go into the studio and write and produce and mix a song myself and hand it in, and it would sound hopefully quite it would sound decent. I can do these bits to a decent level. Which aspects of this do you? Which bits do you do? So, which bits don't you need me for? Which bits can you do much better than me? And which bits can I take a step back on? And sometimes the person can do all of the bits as well as you and you're just bringing like a second pair of ears and you know and some help and that's fine that's totally yeah. fine too but i think the main thing is like yeah just being able to get just being able to get get on with people and if we get on and we can have a laugh and there's like enough of a connection there then the rest of it can be solved i can at least deliver something that will fulfill their fulfill their expectations i think because mm -hmm. if we can get on then i can understand what they want if i can understand what they want i've got a pretty good chance of being able to do what they want yeah and then that's kind of like you're already pretty close to a happy customer there I see it much more that it's my job for them to be really, really happy with it and for it to be the best that it can be within the scope of the time that we have and also to be commercially viable. And I guess that also helps to sort of like leads to a perhaps a long term relationship with them, which is, of course, desirable, I guess. Yes, I think so. Again, I don't really try and I don't really say to anyone anymore, like, oh, let's do a, an EP or let's do four tracks over three weeks and it's going to cost 15 grand. I don't mm -hmm. really visualize it like that anymore. I just say, just come and do a day or come and do two days and let's do something. And then from those, you know, a really good proportion just go, this was great. Uh, how are you fixed next week? They'll kind of come back. It just happens quite organically. There's, at the same time, I think there's a skill to, to doing that. I think you can learn. Part of, part of it's just uh, whether or not you get on, but I think it's also, it's an, active, it's an active thing, I think. Taking the time and making the effort to get to know them and understand what they want. I think in year one, my manager was amazed that I don't think anything, I'd, any projects I'd started hadn't been finished. I'd sort of met X number of artists and all the songs had been completed and they had all the tracks and he was just quite surprised. He was like, quite often people meet and they work on something for a bit and then nothing comes of it. And I just sort of said, well, yeah, because if they've paid me some of the money at the beginning, they're paying me some at the end. Well, this is my livelihood, so I need it to work. So if we... It goes off track halfway or we butt heads or there's an issue i'm gonna to have to find a way to solve it we're gonna to have to go for a coffee and talk it through yeah. and work it out and find yeah. a way to get to the end because i i kind of i need that and also i know that it's the best for them and it's the best for everyone if the things that get started get finished how would you prepare for a session let's say co-writing session with an artist is there anything you do specifically any sort of like you know tips you could give it's quite a difficult one. So some things you could do and some things I have done would be get a list of references of songs that they love, have a list mm -hmm. of their material, get into that, maybe put some sketches together to some, you know, grab out some drum beats or put something together that they might like. I realised after a while that the number of people who came in and I said, oh, I've listened to your music online and they'd say, oh, it's really out of date 
or right. I don't like that stuff, or I want to do something in a completely different direction. Or, for example, I'd listen to it and thought, oh, wow, you know, they, they do something really edgy and dark, and then they turn up and say, oh, no, that's, yeah, that's my old band, or I don't want to do that anymore, or, or what it is that I heard in it isn't really what I actually hear for them when yeah. I meet them. So I actually try not to have like too much of a preconceived idea of people anymore. I think actually, certainly from my side, I try to just judge it much more on what do they bring that day, really. Sort of what are they into musically? What have you been listening to? I often say to people like, what have you been listening to this week? Like, what did you hear last week that you liked? And what's been going on in your life like this weekend? You know, not not like that well-rehearsed thing about your girlfriend from 10 years ago that you've written about before but like what happened this weekend you know how do you how do you feel now i think that stuff's maybe more interesting and stylistically as well i'm happy to take a bit of a punt in a way because i've always done something doesn't necessarily mean the thing that we should do should be exactly like that it might be that we do something a bit different and maybe that turns out to be more useful in the in the long term you know i sort of yeah i try to do stuff with artists that sort of fits to their sound and style but i don't worry about that too much yeah Um, so i guess your your sort of like way to prepare for a session would be just to be open to basically like embrace whatever they come with and try to work from there 100 percent. and i do try and be in a good mood as well i think if you can get up going back to getting on with someone and you know being able to start a relationship the stuff that's actually really useful for me session wise is getting up sufficiently early to go and exercise before it if i can get up and go for a swim for a 45 minutes before i start i know it's going to be a good day i also think if we can go for a coffee somewhere not in the studio and have a catch like a neutral space kind of a neutral space away from the studio yeah I think stomp into the studio late and tired and be like, oh, hi, yeah, okay, well, I was thinking about this. It's just not a vibe. You know, feeling fresh, meet up somewhere neutral, have a really good chat and catch up, and then kind of go in and just, like, really, really focus. Fair. Yeah. So you uh, recently started working as an A&R as well. Yeah. How's that? Can you tell us a bit about it? It's good. It's really fun. So, so... It's for a publishing company called Sheffield Publishing, who are based in Hamburg and are the publishing division of Contour Records. We're like a German, big German dance label. We have like Tiesto and Fede Le Grand and lots of, right. of okay. German dance acts. And it's like yeah. the public division of that. So I signed to them myself as a writer. And I've also taken on this UK publishing uh, A&R role where I'm fundamentally trying to look for new writers to who can also sign to the roster so i've been sort of scrolling through instagram and chatting to mates and going through my own contacts in a very sort of quite old school organic way really and yeah just seeing and again saying earlier about writers being hidden you know kind of seeing who's who's around and who's doing their thing and who's good and who could be relevant for being on the publishing roster so i guess it's kind of a that's a sort of scouting element to it um i've now got two writers who are sort of in the process of being offered deals and we're kind of going through that part and reviewing their material and starting to move through it so it's all relatively new but it's really it's really fun and i signed there myself because well for a number of reasons the guy who's head of publishing is a really good friend he's also a producer really good producer and the guy who's head of the label is also a really good producer as well the guy who's head of the guy who's head of the label is kind of 
see someone really good, signs them, works with them, signs producers, helps finish their tracks. When I went over, we were all sort of sat together. We're going through my songs and, you know, he's on Logic and trying out ideas. And it was just so obvious. Like, why, of course, the head of the label should be, should know what they're doing, should be able to record a vocal, should be able to do a remix. Like, it's just really obvious and so much more kind of creative and exciting, I think. We're basically looking for writers who, again, offer quite a lot. I mean, I've kind of come in and said, oh, yeah, I write. I also do production. I've also got production business. I also work with Kwame and do these. Yep. Got quite a few kind of strings to my bow. And I think kind of interested in writers who are similar, who, yeah, they're good at writing, but they're also, a lot of them are kind of pitching their own songs and some have already had some success and good at doing demos and just and have and do the dance thing but also do the kind of acoustic thing that can be synced and i think more and more it's sort of seeing people as yeah kind of entrepreneurial collaborative propositions rather than just being like musically good yeah i think definitely you are a great example of this diversity and sort of like being able to do different things and do them well you know being successful at them that's a that's a really good example i kind of want to know if there's a highlight in your career something that you're like you know really really proud of you wake up in the morning and you think yes you know it's a yeah, good day um, i know i can do it i don't know it's funny because it's a kind of obvious like for example i wrote three songs with a german solo artist maybe three four years ago <laughs> He's never released a record in the UK. He's very much a European act. But yeah, we wrote three songs together. The songs went on his album. I think the album sold 200,000 copies in the end and went to number two in Germany. And right before lockdown, I got a big gold plaque that said my name on it and had a What's gold. the name of the artist? He's called Michael Patrick Kelly. Okay. And um, yeah, it's still in my hallway at the flat because uh, it was right before lockdown. I used to put it on the wall in the studio. That was kind of that was kind of that thing. That was kind of that thing where you think, oh yeah, it'd be great to get one of those plaques on the wall. Quite satisfying, quite cool. But I don't. I was thinking about this earlier, and I think actually, really, it's you know, it's when the it's when the artists do well. I think. Um, I think it's taking if you can from my side if you can meet someone who's stuck frustrated and they don't know what to do next they're doing a job they don't like but like music is very much their world and they really really want to progress and they've really got that mm -hmm. like if you can start there and then you can line everything up and get the songs right and they get 50,000 streams on a song and they're just like absolutely over the moon I think that's actually like really way more exciting it it's much more of a shared kind of success i think for some people it can be just finishing the productions in a way that they really really like i think that's actually that stuff's really kind of rewarding and satisfying i think um more than writing some songs with an artist who was already quite big and then getting a you know something to put on the wall that's kind of cool but wears off after a week or two fair so we got to the last question from me. Yep. I just want to know if there's any artists or bands that you would recommend us listening to, because I suppose you're exposed to a lot of music. So I want your, uh, I want some advice. Well, there's a guy I had a meeting with about, with my manager about earlier, who I'll be posting about on my kind of social media soon, who I think is really, really interesting and really exciting, 
who does something inherently kind of British that has a slightly rap element to it, but is kind of a little bit different for me, but somehow stylistically really, really fits. Okay. And, uh, who else? I've gone completely blank. I'm going to have a think for 10 seconds if there's any other questions. It's okay. We can go back to that. Hello, as a lyricist looking to break into the industry, what advice would you give me on how to start out and whom to approach? Okay, as a lyricist, I guess it depends a bit if you're kind of a pop writer lyricist or a, or say more of kind of a rap world or something like that where you can be more fandom. Yeah. I think if you do one thing and do one thing really well, it's more often than not just about finding a, finding a partner starting it starting a little team that you can kind of continue to to build so for example if you're a lyricist i think yeah maybe that person's a, a songwriter or someone who maybe they're an artist or someone to work with kind of start mm -hmm. a mini band i mean the lots of production and writing is made up of what are effectively mini bands production teams and trios of writers who get together lots and my feeling always has been that if you take for example but if you put an A-list writer, A-list artist, you might get a really good result. You might not. I think if you take a B-list writer and a B-list artist and they work together for ages, eventually they will do something brilliant. And I've noticed right. that. Eventually you will kind of start to really get good results. And I think, for example, yeah, if you are a, if you are a lyricist, it's probably about finding someone who you can collaborate with, and then just adding in three months, six months, do three ideas together, then do another five, and then do another three. Yeah, start to build a start to build a portfolio, and then depending on which direction you want to go in, kind of start to contact the relevant. If you want to go the artist route, contact artists. If you want to go into co-writes, start to get into co-writes. But I still think having a good body of work that you can kind of show and demonstrate what you can do, I still think is really relevant. So that the first thing people see from you is something really, something really proper. So yeah, so your musical CV as lyricist, you're like, I wrote the lyrics on this song and that thing is really, really great. And that might just mean partnering with someone until you, until you get there. Makes sense. What proper means, I guess you just said the word proper to refer to a sort of like portfolio of work that you can present if you want to start out what does proper mean proper means so if you imagine you're a lyricist say you're a pop lyricist and you want to write pop songs i think those songs need to have they need to be a sensible length need to have nice clear vocals and need to be mixed well and need to be produced well and right. need to feel fine and competitive with what else is out there um I think I think that's kind of true of all of it, really. That's the level that yeah. I aim for as well, to some extent. It's, yeah. it's weird. It's like this massive learning curve. And, and all you're really trying to get to, actually, is the point where someone sticks it on and people in the room are like, oh, yeah, this is cool. You know, with no excuses, no kind of, yeah, my mate's yeah. still working it, or um, I know the vocals aren't in tune, right. or like i know it's a bit quiet or i know it's not that good or you know and and again i think this applies in general to, to artists to people doing this is kind of the, that's kind of the problem i'm trying to solve really when people come to me i basically just always sort of say the point we're trying to get to is where you can press play and with no disclaimers or explanation just kind of back what comes listen and that's it 
yeah, but just be like, oh yeah, this is me, this is my song. Could it be um, literally just be um, on top of your game, just ensuring that you're doing the best you can? And then, you know, if, if people are going to like it, are going to sign you or whatnot, it's pretty much out of your control. But if you know you've done everything at the best, sort of like, of your possibilities, that's, yeah. that's it. Absolutely. No, I think that's absolutely true. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jack. Stay safe, guys. Take care. <laughs>